This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. You don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to be a CEO. You don't have to be a person of influence, friend. You may not have wealth. You may not have intelligence. You might just have a lifetime full of baggage, but you're still loved. God loves you. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There is no other verse in all the Bible that says so much to so many in so few words. It is literally a volume in a verse. It is the encapsulated summation of our theology, and it's the greatest love story that's ever been told. We are bringing a bold statement about Christ. He's our only hope to face the darkness in our day. Thanks for joining us for the City Sites Podcast. Everyone who's been around the church for any length of time knows about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Yet, my guest today will tell us how we can use this verse to be more effective in sharing the gospel. My co-host today is Chris Heeb, a familiar voice that you hear on this podcast from time to time. Chris, I want to ask you a question before we get to our guest today. LifeWay Research said that only 29% of non-Christians have ever heard a Christian explain the way of salvation. Barna Research said a growing number of Christians don't see sharing the good news as a personal responsibility. Converting people to Christianity is the job of the local church as opposed to the job of the individual. Hmm. So every Christian has a responsibility to share their faith. But in 1993, Barna found out that 9 out of 10 Christians who had shared their faith agreed. So 89% back in 1993, Chris, believed it was the individual's responsibility to share the gospel. Today, just two-thirds say so, about 64%. So that's a 25-point drop. What's going on? We don't have enough time <laughs> to get into that. Thank you for bringing me in, Larry. You said about John 3.16, you know, I've been saved for so long, you know, pushing 45 years. I almost forgot about John 3.16, I'm sorry. And I've been pretty discouraged for maybe a couple decades that the church is not. It doesn't have its act together. There's hundreds of you know, false denominations and cults and national leaders, radio leaders, you name it. But I got to tell you, I'm so grateful. There's two brothers that we're going to meet in, in the next two podcasts, and they have rocked my world. And I didn't think that was possible. These brothers, Randy Zempel from uh, Duluth, Minnesota. But I got to tell you, I, I haven't been this excited since I got saved. I almost feel like I got saved again, which isn't the case, but I got so excited because of the way that they have put together the reaching out to people with John 3.16. I'm so excited. You remember I basically bribed and threatened you. You got to have these guys on. If you don't, we're not friends anymore. All right. So we're going to bring Randy into this conversation. Randy, you're obviously, you've been in church quite a long time. You said you were in church probably 42 years or something like that. You've been well-trained in the gospel. What 
turned your head around or your mm-hmm. heart around about John 3:16? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the gospel is imperative for true believers in Christ to get out. And I'm alarmed at those Barna report statistics. Mm-hmm. The church is not involved today, probably for a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't know what the gospel is. And when they do communicate it, they're communicating another gospel. Mm-hmm. And Paul warns us in Galatians chapter 1 that the anathema, or to be a curse, would be put upon that person who preaches another gospel. And so religion has come along, and satanic vice or otherwise influence upon the church has taken people out of evangelism and getting the gospel out. I mean, we're ambassadors, if you're a true believer in Christ, of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And we've been given the ministry Mm -hmm. of reconciliation. And the Lord leaves the disciples a command in Matthew 28 to go into all the world, as well as in Mark 16, and preach the gospel, you see. And for that reason, that authority that's put upon us in the church is our number one order, or if you will, charge as believers in Christ. Okay, so let's diagnose this for a second. Randy. I mean, I've been a pastor for 50 years, or a long time. Yes, sir. And I realize that we teach a lot of things that people know. They know stuff about the Bible, but they don't know about evangelism. They Mm -hmm. don't know how to Mm -hmm. share the gospel. Mm -hmm. Most young people coming out of seminary, whatever, Mm -hmm. they know the theology. So where do do we change this? If we were going to change how we get people back into evangelism, what has to happen? All right, that's an excellent question. Answer to that good question is to get back to what a clear gospel is. Let's just start there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 3 and 4 is probably the most clearest place in the whole Bible, including the New Testament, where we get a definition of what the gospel is. Come on. Christ died for our sins. He was buried according to the scriptures, and he arose again. And faith alone in Christ alone is how we're saved, on the concept of grace. And so for that reason, seminarians, including those instructors and professors all along, have not gotten back to the basics of a starting point, if you will, of first and foremost, the gospel, and then we should build up from there. If we don't build up from there, Larry, everything else is going to be skewed or otherwise off-kilter. We build on sand rather than rock. There has been people who have been in churches when pastors who have caught that vision that you're talking about will go to the pulpit Mm -hmm. and they will preach salvation. And you know what they say to that Mm -hmm. pastor? Pastor, we know that stuff. Mm -hmm. Can't we move on to something Mm -hmm. a little bit more in depth? Can't we get a little bit more deeper into the scriptures? Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? If they could start off on the right foot with basics of the gospel of salvation, Mm -hmm. probably would listen more for more what we'd have to say. So for that reason, I'm not sure if the preachers in the land today have it understood of what the gospel is and how to respond to it. So for that reason, they might be bored. So now we need entertainment, we need drama, we need programs, we need something else. Clowns, we have to have puppets, we have to have jugglers, we have to have magicians, we have to have something else. But we certainly don't have a clear gospel, Larry, and I think that's the the problem. I love that, Randy, I really do. We're going to talk about that clear gospel in just a minute. But Chris, you're excited. I want to come back to your excitement that Randy (laughs) and Sean have demonstrated a certain amount of energy as they shared John 3.16 to you. You've been saved a long time. Why all of a sudden are you so excited about John 3.16? What well, happened? Well, I have been, as you know, kind of a curmudgeon about the last 20 years because I just don't see the evidence that we're winning. I think we're losing the culture war. Yeah. But I could be wrong. But I thought you told me because you went to a prominent seminary in town here called... Mm-hmm. Called the seminary in, in St. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought you told me that 
the most important class in cemetery was marketing. Rather than what we're talking about here, we need to learn to market. And so you and I, I've been complaining and you've had me on so many times, people are sick of it. I think that the the typical church is more interested in entertaining, you know, placating. You know, like the average Christian who goes to services on Sunday does not remember the message from the week before. Okay, the average Christian, including me, okay, and I even take notes. I'm just saying, but when I ran into these guys, I felt like I got saved again. Maybe I could just add, Larry, Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of mm-hmm. God unto salvation to right. everyone that believes. Well, power there is the Greek word dunamis is where we get the mm-hmm. English word dynamite. Mm-hmm. When you pull the trigger on a clear gospel, expect miracles, bathed in prayer, we see people light up across the survey table, if you will, like a Christmas tree, when they hear the gospel and they believe it. And that is the correct response to the gospel. We have over 150 times in the New Testament alone where the word believe or faith or synonyms thereof, trust or otherwise, are used. In the gospel of John alone, 99 times. And so for that reason, Larry, because the gospel message is not clear and certainly the response to it is even worse. There's not miracles happening. People are not getting saved because how can they? when there's another gospel going on. Randy, there are all kinds of witnessing tools, right? The four spiritual laws, the Roman road, all this stuff. And yet you talk about John 3.16 as a great opportunity to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. So before you unpack John 3.16 for us, I want to know from you, what makes a good witnessing tool? What's the criteria that you would use? Well, that? we're using this tool, John 3.16, illustrated. That's kind of what we've coined or copyrighted our banner. And, you know, I stand in the lane on the sidewalk like we did at Crossroads Chapel here at the Minnesota State Fair. We just said to people, hey, we're conducting a John 3.16 illustrated diagram. We'd like to get your feedback on this subject. It's a new tool this year at the Minnesota State Fair, and we should like to get your feedback on it. Can we ask you to come in for about five minutes or so and talk to us on that subject. Now, of course, they were kind of insulted or otherwise maybe made feel a little cheap or that this was so immature because everyone knows John 3.16. They can say it and spell it backwards. But when they'd come in and see how we do this by way of our John 3.16 illustration diagram, they were really impressed because there we started out with how God is holy and uh, we're not. And as a result, we're a sinner and the wages of sin is death. Now there's a barrier between us on earth and God in heaven, and that's called the sin barrier. Well, because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, and we are in the world that he gave. So we write a word gave in there with a little arrow, and then we draw on that uh, barrier, if you will. We make it into a cross. We write Christ on there. And so he died for our sins. He was buried, and he arose again. And the Bible says in John 3.16 that whosoever believes on him, so we write the word believe with our minds, our hearts, or otherwise, we go right through the barrier of sin. And instead of going to the lake of fire or punishment, eternal punishment, we go to heaven when we believe. Because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And now you're saved from your sins in the past, present, and future, 100%. And the Lord cried out, It is finished, namely the work of redemption on behalf of mankind. So 
Larry, this is a tool that we've found effective where we've talked to some 50,000 people using John 3.16 because it's a verse everyone's real familiar with. And so for that reason, if it's working and people are getting saved, keep using it. And tomorrow we'll be in Houston, Texas for two weeks. Atlanta, the first week of October. And we go to uh, Harlingen, Texas, uh, down by South Padre Island in March. We're in Quartzsite near Phoenix, about two hours west of Phoenix in, in January. We're in Minnesota at the State Fair there, of course, in August and in September and all different smaller little venues all around Minnesota, Wisconsin. So do you teach this to churches, to pastors? I mean, it sounds uh, pretty simple, but yes. it's uh, it's very profound. I mean, yeah. I mean, people know John 3.16. Let's yes. just say they know. And that's it. why we use 3.16 right. versus another verse. Right. We could use another salvation verse. We could say, hey, let's we're, we're, we're going to show them Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Well, see, a lot of people don't know what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says. Right, right. We're going to show them Titus 3, 5, or Romans 4, 5, or we're going to show them something else that's not real uh, familiar to them, more obscure. John 3, 16, everyone knows it. Or they think. They think they know it. <laughs> they know it. I'm an ex-jock. I've been seeing for over 50 years the John 3.16 banner. You mentioned that people yeah. even write it on their eyelids or whatever. And I take it for granted. I've seen it so often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 John 3.16. But you guys changed my attitude and life with the way you present it. And that's what I got so excited about. Yeah, and that's because we're getting the gospel out. We start with the bad news and the good news. It's like the Romans road, like you but, said. And we diagram it out on this purple sheet on one side, and we have all the references on the back side. And when we're all done, we give them a very nice little booklet that goes over in uh, verbal or in writing what they just heard us giving them in verbal, the explanation. And then we stuff that diagram that we just showed them. It's their own personal tract, if you will, because it has their name on it or otherwise, and it was it was personal to them. We fold it in half. We stick it in that John 3.16 booklet, and shake their hands, and thank them for coming. I'll tell you what, Larry, there's nothing like watching or seeing someone respond to the power of the gospel across the survey table that got it. Because they came in, instead of 100% knowing for sure if they were to die, that they were going to go to heaven, that they were 80%, 60 50 Maybe some will come in and say, I don't even know if I'm going, I'm even at 0%. And we ask them, why would God let you in? They say, well, because, you know, I believe in Christ. He died for my sins. Plus, I've also gone to church most of my life. I've been sincere. I've been good. They have all the wrong reasons, so it amounts to works. And then is it a heaven? Is going to heaven a gift, or is it more like a reward? Well, it's a reward. you got to earn it. So when they go through the diagram, Larry, they understand that it, you can be 100% if you know because First John 5.13 says whosoever believeth on these things shall know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life because you have believed. Now they change their answer to 100%. Hmm. And it's because of what Christ did for them, not because of what Christ did for them plus mm-hmm. what they've done to help God out. That's why they're not 100%. See, I come from the Protestant background. Someone asked me if I was going to heaven. I say, yeah. Well, what percentage? I say, well, about 98%. That's mm-hmm. because I was baptized catechized, I was good, I was sincere, I was moral, but I didn't know if I had done enough, not realizing mm-hmm. that Christ did it all. That's why he cried out, to telestai, or it is finished. You know, I can attest to that, Randy. <clears throat> I uh, was pastoring here not too many years ago, and in the church, I would interact with a lot of the young men, yes, sir. and they would say things like this to me, well, I just hope I get there. 
I go, what do you mean? I hope I get there. I mean, don't you know? Well, yeah, I kind of do, but but I'm still not quite sure. Now, you have a story that just recently from the Minnesota State Fair this mm-hmm. this past September. 2022. That's right. You had a guy come in who was a missionary. Tell yes, that story. He was a missionary to China. He was a, a larger man. His wife was with him and two children. He caught my eye, and I approached him. I said, sir, we're conducting a John 316 uh, diagram illustration inside the Crossroads Chapel. I sure would love to have you come in and sit down with us. It's a new tool that we're using this year at the chapel. And, boy, I tell you what, I think you would like this. He says, oh, I want you to know. He says, I'm a, a missionary to China, and I've been there X amount of years, and I could, you know, read that thing backwards to you. And he says, why are you insulting me with such, you know, childish Sunday school vacation Bible school? verse like John 3.16, I said, oh, but this is unique. I think I think you're going to like this. We use it in a way that you've probably never seen before. Please, sir, come in. I had to ask him several times. You know, he was not quite sure if he wanted or not. He was kicking and dragging, and he was a little condescending to me, if even rude or otherwise inconsiderate. And then uh, his wife said, oh, just go in, go in. So he goes in kicking and fighting, and I drag him in. <laughs> I sit him down with a friend of mine, Sean Parks. And uh, Sean goes over the diagram with him. And Sean's sitting with us right now in the studio and goes through this diagram with him. And he wasn't sure if he knew for sure that you could know when you die that you can be saved. He thought he could lose it. He didn't have eternal security. Sean shared with him uh, our diagram, 1 John 5, 13. I remember if that was a verse that came up. These things I've written on you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you can K-N-O-W. If you know something, you know. And and like Sean told him, he says, if you don't know, James, you, you don't go. And uh, he was he was disturbed, he was troubled, and he was just not at all very comfortable. He says, you're making me feel very uncomfortable. You know why? Because he wasn't placing his faith 100% in the work of Christ on his behalf. He had faith in Christ, sure, but he also had faith in himself. Yes. And so when he came out of that door, this man who was arrogant and proud and a little bit rude, and, you know, he stood tall, he walked out, his knuckles were dragging on the ground. He felt, he says, I feel weak. He says, my legs are, I feel like like rubber right now. He says, I am greatly, greatly troubled with what I just heard back there. It, he says, but that was good, he told me. Yeah, it's great. You know, Chris, <clears throat> uh, that story Randy just said, you, know, you wonder what in the world was this guy doing as a missionary to China? What was he telling these people? Good question. You know, it's so funny. Probably about 20 minutes after he went and sat down with Sean, I did. I came out to that guy who looks like he could play pro football. I mean, he's a huge guy. And he was sparkling. And I didn't even know why. And I was sparkling. I mean, I was about as happy as I could possibly get. And it was because we had a greater revelation of John 3.16. And I was so excited. As you know, I haven't been able to shut up. For weeks about this this whole thing, I, and I'm so excited. I would love I would love to pack my bags and go do this with these guys because I don't think 99% of churches actually do anything in regard to reaching out to the lost. They take care of their sheeple, and that's it. And so these guys are talking about you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to be a walking historian, Bible-like encyclopedia, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you just got to tell them what it says. Yeah, and, and we can train people on this, Larry, very easily. 
you know, and invite people to come and just observe, mm-hmm. sit down with us and watch. Mm-hmm. And when they do, they see, you know, what we're talking about. That's the real only way to, to see how this works now, effectively. Th- right. So you're probably talking about individuals who would come and sit and so forth. But I'm wondering about churches. I mean, mm-hmm. have you had any pastors come to you, Randy, and say, hey, look, mm-hmm. you got something here that's going that that's really kind of unique right. process and right. it works. Right. Could you come to my church? Have you had any of that response? Uh, well, I was recently in Germany and England in the Isle of Man, and we had some pastors there that saw this and really wanted to adopt this in their particular regions, especially in Germany. The situation there usually is pastors, clergymen, seminarians, professors, those that are religious are our worst critics. Mm-hmm. They want nothing to do with John 3.16. They certainly mm-hmm. won't come in. And if they do, they'll boast about how they think they have earned mm-hmm. God's favor when grace is unmerited, undeserved favor from God. And so for that reason, we don't get a lot of response, I would say, from pastors or churches. In fact, it's probably just the opposite. Chris, isn't that interesting? It, but of course, the greatest critics of Jesus were not the sinners, were they? It, it, no, it was the religiously educated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always been that way. You know, I think America is in a great stupor. I think we're just crossed over into post-Christian America. But I would say the vast majority of Christendom is in a stupor, and they're content with mediocrity, and they're content with, you know what, it's not my job. Well, I tell people, look it, I was a hardcore sinner. I can't relate to, to to the people I know that have been raised in the church at all. And I feel so indebted to the Lord that I'm willing to look like a fool to give them the chance of me attempting to explain the good news. You know, they're like, well, hey, my life's not that bad. You know, I'm not that bad of a person. That's why I love preaching in, in prisons, because they're convicted by law of being sinners. Mm-hmm. Where what churches today preach, Larry, that their congregants are actually sinners. I've met people that says they're not sinners anymore. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in a Happy Meal church, which those are the most successful packed churches. Hey, I'm okay. You're okay. You want to believe in 73 genders? Be my guest. You know, God comes in many ways and forms, and he loves all of us the same. You know what? Whatever flavor is mine is okay. Whatever flavor you want, it's all a lie. Uh, Randy, we're going to have your co-labor with us in the next podcast, but Mm -hmm. I want to know how do people, if they're listening and they fall in love, they've fallen in love with your testimony and the way that you have presented John 3.16, where do they yeah. go? Well, they should go to the website, DuluthBible.org, DuluthBible.org, and there, uh, click on our links that brings you to the gospel, mm-hmm. and there should be some video there, some content, and some data that they can access and find out more about John 3.16. Or they can call me uh, directly if they like, or email me. If I can give that, I'd be glad to give it out. <laughs> call Randy Zempel at area code 218 348 9557. I'll repeat that. 218-348-9557. Or feel free to email me at the colors redwhite.org. 
at gmail.com. I'll repeat, redwhite.100 at gmail.com. Well, Randy, it's been a pleasure to, to meet you, to hear the heart, yeah. and to know that uh, there are people like you out on the street or in the church or somewhere yeah. talking about John 3.16. Right, Chris? Amen. I've heard it said that Christians are no longer the home team. We are the visiting team. The culture has home field advantage, and we are the visitors. We may have lost the home team advantage, but we haven't lost the game. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com. This is the City Sites Podcast Network. 